Welcome to Concordia Journal Currents. This is another session on preaching Mark in the liturgical year. Uh, this time we're going to think about preaching Mark during the Sundays in ordinary time. And uh, with me for the discussion, I'm uh, David Schmidt. I teach in the Department of Practical Theology and with me are Professor David Lewis and Dr. Jeffrey Cloa, who both teach in the Department of Exegetical Theology. And we've invited them to uh, sit and talk uh, about preaching Mark and the uh, themes or the emphases in Mark that might uh, be a little bit different than the other Gospels that we might want to accentuate as we preach on Mark during the year. Uh, the Sundays in Ordinary Time, as you know, give us the opportunity to actually work with readings from Mark in sequence. So we're just going to be um, reading pretty much continuously through Mark. There's going to be a little bit of a break after the feeding of the 5,000 so that we can uh, focus on the Johannine uh, Bread of Life discourse. But other than that, we're going to be reading continuously through Mark. And I was wondering, you know, as you face this large amount of reading from Mark as a preacher, um, I was wondering, is there any way in which the structure of Mark itself divides these readings up into sections? There might be yeah. something we would look for more in one than another? Yeah, one of the basic principles of interpreting narrative is to look at the context, of course. And, and Mark is, is, is very uh, obvious in terms of his structure and, and how individual stories fit into the larger structure and context. So just to kind of give you a brief summary, the first 15 verses, uh, you know, the, the John the Baptist, the baptism, the temptation, and the initial proclamation of the presence of the kingdom are all sort of prologue and introduce all the themes that are going to come up in the rest of Mark, but, but just kind of pushes everything out there. So now you know, after the first 15 verses, that Jesus is Son of God and that you've got to respond in faith. Okay. The second section then from 116 all the way down through the healing of the blind man in chapter 8, that would be at 827, all that occurs in the narrative in Galilee specifically and then, and then later on branches out from Galilee as a base out to Gentile territory. And in this section uh, you see um, uh, the growth of the kingdom. Jesus demonstrating his authority as teacher, as one who has come to redo the law, essentially, and uh, uh, to bring the blessings of the kingdom to God's people. So if you want to know what the kingdom of God is like, you go to Galilee. Okay? It all happens there. It all unfolds. The second section, then, is the middle section. Uh, you might call it on the way. Uh, the phrase on the way occurs, I think it's five or maybe six times, but they sort of never get anywhere. They're on the way to Capernaum. <laughs> And on the way, his disciples asked him. Or they're on their way here. And on the way, you know, they, so, so they're kind of on the way. Uh, and then something happens to bring out teaching. And in this section, he's away from the crowds. Uh, they're they're kind of lurking in the background, but he's speaking primarily to the disciples. And it's in this middle section that he gives the three passion predictions, the, the revelation event of the transfiguration, and then teaching about discipleship, all of which follows his passion predictions. So if you want to find out what it means to be a follower of this man, you go to chapters 8, 9, 10, because that's where that's laid out. Uh, and we'll talk about that. And then the last section is, is Jerusalem. So Galilee on the way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem beginning at 11.1 with the entrance. And, and from there on, it's just where Jesus fulfills what he said he was going to do. Where he goes to Jerusalem, he's betrayed in the hands of sinners. They, they mock him, spit on him, crucify him, and he rises from the dead. Um, and in that section, you don't have crowds, you don't have healings, no healings at all. 
You don't have massive feedings. All you have is conflict and death. Uh, and even chapter 13 is really about judgment. <laughs> uh, uh, you guys are judging me by putting me to death, but actually I'm judging you because I'm going to rise and I'm going to tear this place down. You know? So even, even that event is, is uh, judgment. So, so where a given pericope falls is actually rather critical because it will be uh, bringing about different themes that occur in these different sections. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of moving from uh, growth, ministry, the kingdom right. in Galilee to issues of discipleship exactly. linked to the passion? Linked to sense? the, yeah. So Jesus is going to go to the cross and so are you. Okay. So Jesus is going to serve and so are you. And that's right. that, that middle section, and then we get to Jerusalem, and there right. we have a, a strong sense of conflict. Yes, um, it, it okay. just, everything kind of comes to a head, and, and it's just boom, 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 and, and then the cross. And it's even interesting, if you, if you uh, have the opportunity to listen to this on, on a CD or something, or, or even better, kind of a video, just read through the gospel of some sort, the, the, the style is very different. You mentioned uh, in the last session about Oithus, immediately, immediately, yeah, immediately. Yeah about 80% of those occur in the first eight chapters. Immediately stuff happens in Galilee. When you get to Jerusalem, everything kind of slows down and drags out. And the, the pace is very different. The tone is very different. Even the word order kind of changes in terms of subject verb. It's, it's, it, it's just a very different environment. Uh, and what and you, what, what's the reason for well, because that now shift? Because now the Son of Man, the Son of God is suffering. So we're and supposed to, you, you think that... It's, it's not um, happy. <laughs> right, so, but, but yeah, do, yeah, right. yeah but, I mean, but do you think that uh, we're supposed to carry over into that section the recognition or the knowledge that this same one who did all of these healings is not doing them now by choice? Oh, or yeah, did, Okay, so, so we're... Because he's so, clearly in control. And, okay, so right. he stays in control. So nothing right. has happened to him that has changed. Right as much as the mission intention that's now been revealed to us about heading toward the cross. Right. And that then only makes it even more powerful, more tense, that right. the very one we know that could yeah. do something do to something get rid of all it, of this doesn't, it unless it happens. In fact, wants it to happen. Right. The one miracle that occurs in, the, in that section is the cursing of the fig tree. Yeah. You know, which is and an that, isn't, the, isn't there the healing of the of blind Bartimaeus? No, Bartimaeus no that's, that's the end of, see, yeah. the, the two blind men healings occur between the Galilee and on the way sections and the on the way in Jerusalem right. Well, sections. I was thinking of the on the way section. I thought you said the, the immediately oh. wasn't really in the on the way section. Well, is there's a couple. Right? Yeah. I mean, it looks like yeah. 80% are in the first. Yeah. There's a few okay. sprinkled. Yeah. On the way section right. is framed on both ends by, right, healing, by the blind. healings of blind men. One where, takes twice. Where Bartimaeus' faith is, you might say, in a lot of ways, a foil to the disciples' misunderstanding, right. Right. and uh, and then and you might say the disciples the that first healing which doesn't make it in the pericope pericopal system right. Right. it takes yeah. Jesus two tries probably because they it seems to present a low Christology uh, I would argue that that in a lot of ways is one of those paradigmatic pericopes in Mark where uh, in a sense you know what's going on there really is that Jesus persists until the guy does see everything clearly which is how it ends. But now it only and occurs in Mark, right? The, it only the occurs in, yeah, it only occurs in Mark. And that's probably why it might not appear because they well, tried to choose right. the readings from yeah. Mark that occur in yeah. all three. Yeah, that's that's yeah. sort of odd. I mean, you, you, so you choose the the ones in Mark that are in the others, but then you lose the unique features of Mark. Was, yeah, but I think but there was anyway, one of Matthew the ideas Luke, might have right. been with Mark and priority, I think, or something that you're going to work with yeah, the earliest telling of these events that yeah. all of them have or something. 
the best like that, basis yeah. for electionary system. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you, got, you got Jesus' question in, in eight eighteen: having eyes do you not see, having ears do you not hear? And that ends with this guy. Uh, uh, he sees everything clearly. You know that blind man. And so the miracle is, is that he does. He is. You know, you do have sight restored, and that this is sort of paradigmatic for the disciples. You will see him in Galilee, in spite of their misunderstanding and failures. Jesus is still faithful. But that on the way section is sort of framed by these healings right. of blind people, which then relates to the issue of faith and discipleship. In and the seeing or not seeing. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah. Yeah, once you well, once he's in Jerusalem, it's hot. You know, it's, it's conflict. You know, he you know triumphal entry is sort of like the high point. You know, right. and it's kind of yeah. a truncated version compared to Matthew, anyways. But uh, you get the cursing of the fig tree, cleansing of the temple, two stories framing each other, and you know then the conflict and all going to the cross. So so we've got the the larger flow then. So we at least have kind of places to to position ourselves right. as we're thinking through these readings. Now, as you um, look at that first set of readings, I think that there's uh, within that the kingdom area, or the Galilean right. area, there tend to be a lot of healings um, or miracles that are going on yeah. in those readings. Could you right. say something about Jesus as a miracle worker in Mark? What, what are the function of these? What's going on with this? Yeah, I mean, maybe it'd be good just to kind of pick a specific yeah. example and kind of show. Um, uh, one of my favorite pericopes on Mark is in chapter 5, the, the Jairus' daughter and the woman with the flow of blood. And they're, they're kind of set within each other so you understand both against each other. You know, it's intercalation it's called. And, and this, this really highlights very well uh, the nature of the kingdom and, and uh, what Jesus, well, let's put it this way, the healings do two things. They both show something about Jesus. Obviously, he's doing something somebody else isn't but also what happens to those who are in the kingdom and, and how do these happen for you. And, and this is a really interesting uh, pericope because you have two very different people. You've got Jairus who has a house, who's got hired servants, who have people who come and bring messages to him, right? Obviously a well-to-do individual. Mm -hmm. You've got this woman who has no name, right? She's anonymous. She's got a flow of blood, so she's unclean. Uh, she's been going to the doctors for 12 years and she spent all she has, so she has no money. Mm -hmm. Yet Jairus is, is the one who's weak and needs help. Mm -hmm. so, so when uh, the report comes that his daughter's dead, Jesus says, don't listen, right? I'm going to take care of you, right? The woman, though, is presented as somebody who knows exactly who Jesus is, knows exactly what he can do for her. And so goes up and, you know, I mean, it's the statement of faith. If only I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. I mean, that's, that's a perfect confession of faith. So, so she touches the garment, right? And, and immediately, and I love how Mark always knows what everybody's thinking, mm -hmm. right? Jesus knows that power's gone out from him. The woman knows in her body that she's healed, you know? So, so it, it happens, but, but that's not really the point. The point is Jesus wants to make sure she and everybody else knows why she was healed. Mm -hmm. And so he's searching around, you know, who touched me? And the disciples are complete idiots. You know, he's like, well, look at the crowd, you know, why are you asking who's, of course, a billion people touched you, and maybe that's true, but only one person touched him in faith. Mm -hmm. so, so Jesus finds the woman, she's afraid because she knows what she did isn't according to Jewish law, yet, yet Jesus stops and says, right, daughter, right, thugater, huge word, daughter, uh, your faith, sesekense, your faith has healed you. So there's your theme of faith, if you have faith, you have the blessings of the kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and go in peace, be healed from your illness. From your so disease. in a sense, in a sense, the, 
the the healing is not the big thing in a sense because she was healed and could have gone away yeah could have gone with away. the healing but the jesus is, wouldn't let that happen yeah he, he wanted, wants everybody to know that it was because of faith yeah right uh that he was the one and you got to respond right to this and if you respond properly you get it mm -hmm. and so you have the, the contrasting dialogue the the pharisees come up to jesus in chapter eight and say give us a sign that we may see and believe well of course jesus says i'm not going to show you a sign that's mm -hmm. stupid you don't have faith See, the point of the, the miracles or the healings is not so that you can believe because I do great right, stuff. Right. The point is you have faith and therefore I do great stuff for right, you. Right, it, right. It shows who's part of the community. Exactly. Of faith, and, and yeah. So, and so uh, um, uh, here's what the kingdom looks like for those who have faith, at least in Galilee. Now, when we get to the discipleship section, it's a little different. Well, yeah. But we gotta <laughs> yeah. Do you have? It, it's interesting, the miracles at best to the outsiders, this is... Uh, 7 verse 37 all they can say is he's done all things well right you know so the, mir the miracles to the outsiders only leads them to say this guy's great right. look at what he can do uh, it doesn't lead them to faith and uh, and it's interesting the one of the problematic texts that doesn't make it in the prequel system I don't right. think is Jesus in Nazareth right after he raises oh, Jairus' daughter does, oh, this does make it okay right. where it has that problematic Chapter verse he six. was he was unable to do many works there because of their unbelief that, you know, this is kind of a foil, I mean, this follows naturally from what is said right here And this, you know, this woman is healed because she believes. Then Jesus has to encourage Jairus, you know, uh, you know, the, the, you know, monon pistue, yeah, you know, do believe. not be afraid, stop being afraid, only believe, right. right? You know, when he hears that his daughter's dead. And then when we get to Nazareth, he doesn't do many miracles there because of their unbelief. And, you know, this connection between, you know, faith and getting the goods in that sense. Uh, it's, you know, with, with the message being, this is a message of how to respond to his identity. Well, that's kind of leave. frightening, though, in American culture mm -hmm. where faith, th that's precisely what the, the preachers, the miracle oh, workers on yeah, television right. will say, is that God right. wants to bless you. Right. The problem oh, he is he needs your faith, and because you don't have faith, you're not getting his right. blessings. Right. So is that, uh, that going to be... Well, uh, I, 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 mean, <laughs> I hate to put it this way, but I don't want to be as crass as Joel Osteen or something, but that's actually what Mark says. Yeah. If you have faith... In other words, if, if you know who to ask and what to ask for, mm -hmm. you get it. Mm -hmm. Right. And what this woman wants, I mean, she, because of her flow of blood, she's unclean, which means in Levitical law, she's cut off from official temple worship, cut right. off from the community. And the blessings of the... And the blessings of from being an Israelite. Right. You know, right. you might say being able to present her sacrifices. Right. Uh, yeah, and so she's cut, I mean, and for 12 years, and the girl's 12 years old, there's that, you know, yeah. li literary parallel there. Uh, so for 12 years she's been cut off and all the doctors, all, all this, you go to the doctors hasn't done anything. So when she goes to Jesus, I mean, when he says, uh, you know, daughter, your faith has saved you, says Thoken, I, I don't think this is just a matter of healing. There are ceremonial uh, salvific implications of her being unclaimed. Well, sure. right. And so her being, it's more than just being healed, but actually being saved, I mean, being restored as an Israelitess, you know, only now it's only through Jesus, not through, you know, right. the Levitical the Levit Levitical code, and and this is kind of the tension that's going on. You know, something that anyone reading this would have known then is that when she touches Jesus, she's rendered him unclaimed, which is why she's probably afraid when he's trying to find out who touched him. And then the, mm -hmm. the shock for us would be is that rather than blast her, or, you know, you know criticize her, he praises her for her faith, which shows that things are sort of being reversed and undone. And then, you know, strangely enough, Jesus is going to go ahead and touch a dead girl, 
you know, right. at the end, and thus make right. her clean. And, and so, you, I mean, you see here also another theme in Mark is Jesus is the one who makes the unclean clean. And uh, this is, you know, he touches, he touched a leper earlier, I think. When did, does that make it in, his cleansing of the leper in the cycle? Uh, yeah, uh, it's already in chapter 1. Chapter 1. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, does it make it in uh, the pericable system, though? Oh, uh, yeah, in the, in the uh, earlier cycle. In the epiphany. cycle of yeah. epiphany. Yeah, he, yeah, that's right. He touches the leper, and, and yeah, which is kind of shocking. I mean, he, there's a good reason why conflict comes. Is Like, you know, the first big public miracle Jesus does is he lays hold of a leper. But uh, he, he's the one who makes the, the clean unclean, which... For us outsiders, becomes a big theme when we get into Mark chapter seven. Right. You know? But now, if we're going to, you know, the, again, this question of faith claim. and miracles. This is claim. my yeah. uh, issue. The uh, yeah. is it perhaps though that in this section, the focus is much more on Jesus and the kingdom He's bringing. Yes to those of faith right. than it is on what you get if you have faith. Because basically, well, you were saying later, when yeah. you get to the discipleship, well, what do you get if you have faith? Well, see, you that's, get killed. that's yeah, the other right? side of the coin. See, yeah. and the Joel right. Osteens don't talk about chapters 8, right. 9, 10. Right. See, yeah. they, they only stay in Galilee, not in, <laughs> but it's also not in it's, on the way. They don't want to be moving anywhere. It's also you what know? you get. Right. I mean, you get delivered from satan satanic bondage. You get uh, delivered from right. the effects of sin, death. You know, it's not you get a Ferrari right. or you get yeah. And, uh, right. and here's where you really have to talk about, mansion, about you know. the now and the not yet. Yeah. Right. You know, because you do have people yeah. who are faithful, right. who sure. are who, suffering yeah. from right. brain disorders right. yeah. and Alzheimer's. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, right. And, and, and they will be healed. Right. Yes. The they question is when. Speak yeah. a little bit about right. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, they will be because Jesus is faithful. Jesus accomplishes what he said he was going to do. So this fits in and with the word issue. Yes. And when he says that you have. You know, your faith has saved you, healed right. you. It's the same thing. So it might be tomorrow. It might be in 10 years. It might be in 2,000 years. You know, uh, it will happen. Yeah. It's just a question of when. And so the, the task for the disciple is to keep following the one who is faithful. And the one who brings the kingdom. And the one who brings yeah. the kingdom. And exactly. I trust that what he has said Right. is going to come is true regardless of what I see. And what I experience. Right. Yeah. And I'm not exactly. going to demand that I see in order that I can right. believe. Because he's right. the one who defines what the kingdom is about. And if exactly. you put this in the context of persecution, yeah. uh, then you, know, it's, you will see him just right. as he told you. you know, that that's the hope that right. we as Christians live with good times and bad times, you know, nevertheless. And that these healings are proleptic of what is going to be fulfilled when he comes again. Right in his Father's glory with the, the holy angels. Oh, yes. you know? Well, and, and the ultimate model of this uh, prayer, if you will, of, of, of asking and receiving is, uh, is Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right. Right. All things are possible for you. You can do anything you want. Right. You could, you could feed 5,000. It doesn't matter. You could do anything. But, you know, not what I want, what you want. And so, and that's the last, if you will, teaching on prayer. Uh, that, that has to sort of frame and overarch all these other uh, you know, sort of examples of people asking and receiving. Um, so, so it's never sort of my choice. Right. It's his kingdom, and I receive whatever his kingdom brings uh, according to his will. Right. And I think, there, it, it, would, you, would you say that there might also be a, um, not a stress on quantity of faith in the sense that it's not always people of great faith who are healed, but you've got somebody who says, I believe, help my unbelief. Right, right, right. So that you've got all the spectrum of the various ways in which faith is experienced humanly. Right. Um, what's important is faith and holding on according to the will. Right. 
Right. You know. Well, I mean, this woman, in a sense, doesn't come directly to Jesus. I mean, her faith wouldn't be, you, you might look at her and say her faith is weak in some senses, that uh, she comes and touches him. She's afraid when he asks, who touched me? Yeah. But uh, as Jeff said, that, you know, the, the father of the demon-possessed boy in Mark 9 is sort of paradigmatic. Mm -hmm. One of the, you know, I believe, help, help my, my unbelief. unbelief. Right. Which, which we know Jesus will do because he's the guy who took two tries to heal that blind man and kept going until he saw everything clearly, you know. A little, a little low on Jesus juice that day. <laughs> right, well, you know. Anyway. So, okay, uh, so we've got this. Uh, was there something else you wanted to do? No, I, I think the other thing we need to say in Galilee yeah. is, uh, David kind of hinted at this, the, the move from Jew to Gentile uh, and, and declaring things unclean. So one of, the, one of the things that comes up in Mark is not only what is the kingdom, but who is in it, and the fact that it is shocking who is in the kingdom. So everybody you would expect to be in there, religious leaders, right, those who, Pharisees, you know, the rich people, they don't get the kingdom. It's the surprising people, the woman with the flow of blood, uh, the lepers, right. uh, uh, it's, uh, you know, fishermen, for Pete's sake, you know. And this is really highlighted in <laughs> Literally. Well, literally, <laughs> right, right. Uh, this is highlighted in Chapter 7, where in this big, long section, one of the longest teaching sections, actually, except for Chapters 13 and 4, where Jesus is discussing what is clean and unclean food. And the highlight of that pericope is, you know, he's thus declaring all foods clean. And that does occur in electionary, right? Yes, it does. Yeah, it does. 14 Good. to 23. Yeah. Yeah. But then the very next pericope, which is in parentheses, so it's optional, but it's really essential, uh, frankly, okay. is the uh, Syrophoenician woman, where Jesus now is, is, and this is another one of these weird things, he goes up in a tire inside and like he wants a vacation. He didn't want anybody to know about it, you know, so what's that, you know, it's a little R&R &R kind of time. But this woman, having heard about him, right, comes up and, and, and argues with Jesus, right? She knows, she has a demonized daughter, she knows that Jesus can do something about it, she, so she goes to him. And Jesus does one of his weird, you know, let's play at this a little bit. I'm going to play the Jewish guy. So it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs, right, which is a, a slam in case you didn't know that, right? So uh, the woman is a dog, which is what a Jew would call a Gentile. You are not worthy of the kingdom is the typical Jewish response. But the woman knows that Jesus is not a typical Jew, and so she plays with him. Yep, but even the, the dogs under the table eat the crumbs. And Jesus says, yep, yep, you got it figured out, your daughter's healed. You got faith. And, and so, you know, the shocking thing is, A, her daughter's healed, and he just kind of snaps his finger. She goes home. She's healed. He didn't even have to show up. Yeah. But more important is now the kingdom goes from the children, the Jews, to the dogs, the Gentiles. And, and so the people of God is being redefined. Mm -hmm. Who is in the kingdom? It's not who you thought. Mm -hmm. It's even for you. Mm -hmm. You see, it's, it's complete gospel. You, you should not have any part in this kingdom yet it's for you. Uh, it, it is entire gospel. And, and I'd, I'd like preachers to be kind of careful with this because one thing that, that is often done with a pericope like this is, look, Jesus goes for even the least, and so we should go to even the least. Okay? Now, that's true. Okay. Well, I was thinking of, of the, but, uh, you know, she keeps, she keeps Adam. She keeps well, yeah, Adam. persistence in prayer. Yeah, I'm yeah, certainly. So, or, yeah, yeah, model of prayer right, or something. Right, right. Yeah. But, but the, the focus of the pericope is, in fact, that the kingdom is for shocking people even for you. You see, because this book is written to Gentiles. And so as a Gentile reader, you're reading this and saying, oh my gosh, you know, even me, who shouldn't be a part of this story, going all the way back to Abraham, right? I shouldn't even be a part of this, but I am, right? It is, it is pure gospel.
uh, and, and then the feeding of the 4,000 follows, which takes place in Gentile territory. You have seven basketfuls left over, which is a Gentile number. Right. And so the, the same blessings that happened for the Jews, feeding of 5,000, 12 baskets, happened for the Gentiles, 4,007 baskets. Um, uh, so this redefinition of the kingdom, or, or who is in the kingdom, expansion is really Expansion of it, maybe. Ex expansion. But, but again, that even you get included in the kingdom. Right. And so that's why I think you have these kind of minor, odd characters constantly highlighted. They're, they're people who should not be a part of this, yet they are. So basically you're telling me that the year is going to start out uh, rather exciting yeah. and joyful and with fun. this beautiful yeah. ministry and this yeah. crazy um, inclusion right. of odd characters into exactly. the kingdom. Yeah. This I mean, gospel it's is fun for to you. Preach this stuff. It's, right. it's all this yeah. weird stuff and you, it's great stuff. You know? so, so we're going to yeah. start out great, then yeah. we get into the discipleship yeah, section. Yeah, Okay. Then, then you got to talk about divorce. See. Okay. <laughs> so, that's, so that's a Sunday you preach on the epistle lesson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So with the discipleship section, what's what uh, do you think well, you are some things to think about Dave. discipleship in Mark or? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, this this would be on your the on the way section, which uh, begins with the healing of a blind man in, in uh, Mark a twenty two. Just kind of interesting, you know the that Galilean ministry ends on sort of a downbeat note with the disciples sort of to who you know, not understanding the teaching, right. the warning against the leaven of the scribes and Herod. Uh, you know, you know, he and they're worried they didn't bring enough bread. And and uh, you know, he says, how many? You know, when we fed the five thousand, how much was left over? Four thousand. They know the answer, but they don't get it. Mm -hmm. So you know, it kind of ends on this downbeat note. But then we get the, and so the, this healing of the blind man, where it takes Jesus two times. I don't think it's a matter of him being low on Jesus juice so much as, uh, <laughs> I, you know, they, I, it's lo, not low Christology as much as uh, this is the way Jesus works with right. people and the way he's going to work with his disciples. Then we get uh, Peter's confession, which a lot of uh, Markan scholars see as the turning point. I don't, uh, right. because yeah, it's, uh, it's anticlimactic. Right. It's, you are the Christ. He doesn't, Peter doesn't say you're the son of God. You know, that, right. it's really, it's not the midpoint. It's, it's anticlimactic. And Jesus actually you know, rebukes them to, uh, to say nothing to nobody, right, concerning him. Don't mm -hmm. say anything to anyone concerning him. Then we get the uh, first passion prediction. And this becomes sort of the pattern in this section. Uh, and note the pattern. It, it's sort of, you know, teaching the reader. Jesus makes a very clear uh, prediction about what's going to happen, that he's going to suffer, die, and on the third day rise. So that's always there. Uh, and someone, either... Uh, all the disciples, the first one is Peter, Peter doesn't get it, misunderstands. Uh, this then leads, then Jesus teaches, he has to correct the misunderstanding, then he teaches on discipleship. And the first teaching is uh, really key, Mark 8, verses 34 to actually 9, verse 1. And it is interesting, you know, the crowd's going to the background, but not before being invited to come inside. Yeah, see, this is you where know? I think Mark uh, invites the reader in. Right. You know, the crowds recede as characters into the background, but notice 34. And calling the crowd with his disciples, right. he said to them. Yeah, and an atis, if anybody right. wants to follow If anybody w right. wishes to come after me, so to follow after me. So it's not just a me. disciple thing, it's an everybody thing. And so the crowds are, I mean, it's really the crowds more than the disciples are the ones who are invited to take part in this mm -hmm. new life of discipleship. But the implications as you go through this, the implications are what does it mean to be a disciple? Well, uh, deny, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross, there's been no mention of Jesus dying on a cross yet. He just meant, he, he said yes, he was going to die. die right. But uh, and let him follow after me, right? Or notice that's kind of a uh, the present part, present infin, present imperative there. Right. Let him 
you know, keep on keep on following after me, you know, maybe. But uh, but this now becomes the paradigm for what it means to be a disciple. And so, this is this is how you sort of leaven all the the good stuff happening in the first section. You believe in Jesus, you get saved, and yeah. But notice those acts of healing and cast on demons. I would always tie to salvation. You know, this the woman. That Syrophoenician woman isn't coming to Jesus for a Ferrari. She wants her daughter to be delivered from an unclean spirit, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's a salvation yeah, right, issue. Right, it's not right. just bless me a to bless life, me, but, yeah. you know. Well, but, uh, and you get this pretty clearly here. I mean, what, 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 what does it benefit a person to gain the whole world right. and lose his soul or lose himself, really? You know, so, so what if you get the Ferrari? Who cares? Right. You know, that's not what the kingdom is so really about. If you lose your life because yeah. of me and the gospel, uh, you will you will save it. And this is very key. It's not just Jesus, but Jesus and the gospel, Jesus and his word, verse 38. Mm-hmm. Forever is ashamed of me and my words in this generation, of this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And uh, this now, this is now the, par- this you might say is the paradigm, what it means to be a disciple is you have a life where of self-denial, cross-bearing, and then following Jesus. And where is Jesus going to Jerusalem to suffer or die and to rise again? This, is, this also becomes sort of the paradigm. And then... So the, this is where you're... you're this, is, this is how we get introduced to discipleship as we move into the section in Mark. Right, right. right. Now, none of this is in the lectionary. So, well, so oh, just so not, you know, this is not we, don't sta- okay. we don't start until right. 9.14. Okay. So we, we're jumping from uh. the Syrophoenician woman, which we just covered, right? right. Ending the Galilean thing. Now we're going to move into discipleship. Yeah. And I think it's helpful, at least, for us to right. say, well, what happened between these two readings, you know, so proper 18, proper 19, yeah, proper 19. there's a huge there chunk that kind of defines discipleship for us. So, so I find your, your words really helpful because okay. they've, they've kind of yeah. given us a picture of here's how to look at and read the texts that follow. But So now we're going to be looking at basically mm-hmm. nine Well, then we follow with the transfiguration, which we've already done in the right. yeah, so, year. And then the, uh, the so, boy, well, I mean, this I think this prank could be here. This is the... Uh, Demon possessed boy. It starts at fourteen. Is that right. uh, where we yeah, are? Yeah, fourteen to yeah. twenty-nine. Yeah, that's going to be right. the first one that we get as we move into mm-hmm. this section. And I, and I think Jeff has already spoken to this. Uh, this is a, the key issue here is faith, and uh, I mean it, it's we could again. This is kind of one of these comical ones. Yeah. I mean, the, the guy is is wanting Jesus to heal. The disciples can't do it. They're idiots, of course. And uh, Jesus comes up and is like, "Oh, what do you want me to do for you?" Right. And, and the father's like, well, look, you know, the kid threw himself in a fire for Pete's sake. Right. He's like, oh, really? That's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and you know, and then Jesus says, well, everything's possible for those who believe. I mean, it's almost like Jesus is expecting the father to cast the demon out of the son. He's just kind mm. of sitting there, and then it's not until the crowds start coming. There's that a commotion. Then Jesus. And Jesus says, oh man, for Pete's sake, but, all right, fine. Well, he's, Cat, he's, get out. He's, you know, he's sort of going. You know, Jesus is kicking off what the guy says. If you are, if you are able, right, uh, right, and yeah. then yeah. Jesus in his question in verse uh, uh, twenty-three, and Jesus said to him, "If you're able, yeah. you know, all things are possible to him who believes." Right, and then his prayer immediately crying out the, the immediately the father of the son of the boy crying out began to say, "I believe. Help my unbelief." Right, and. Uh, you know, it is it is very strange. Then he's, the people are coming. Then Jesus like does it, and right. Jesus like playing with the guy. And well, I don't think he's playing with him, but uh, well. you know, <laughs> but this is one of the, again one of those strange places right. where this uh, this gets softened up in 
Matthew and Luke in the parallel accounts. Um, but uh, yeah, well, what what follows though, of course, now is, is the real kind of teaching on discipleship. So so you get you, you kind of run straight through thirty thirty seven right. and thirty eight right. to fifty. Yeah. So um, uh, and 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 again, the disciples are presented as what you're not supposed to do. So in thirty eight, you know, we saw somebody casting out demons, and and we stopped them because they didn't follow us. And Jesus says, "Well, that was stupid, right?" And and so then, what does he follow with? Um, is don't cause others to sin. Right? Don't put yourself up and put others down, right? Is is the is the teaching. So don't lift yourself up and 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 snuff others down. Um, so, you know, pretty serious stuff here. And and you know, we always kind of spiritualize this stuff. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Well, that can't be literal. You know, it's that's too but but Jesus' point is if something is keeping you from the kingdom, mm -hmm. you gotta get rid of it. So wh whoever saves his life mm -hmm. will lose it. I mean, it's, it's kind of not shocking in that context, you know. Mm -hmm. What does this practically go through? It's 9, well, you, you, it goes all the way 38 is, to 50. Yeah, your first one is 9, yeah. 14 to 29. Okay. Then you go 9, 30 to 37, which is a passion prediction, I think, right? right? right. And 9, 38 to 50. This so you're all, just walking through. This is all part of the same reading? No, these are, no, no, these are, these are separate, separate, separate sections. Yeah. Okay, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're, taking your reader, you're taking your hearers through this section of Mark, which you've classified as on the way, right? right. And so right. it's going to be dealing with issues of discipleship. Right. We've talked a little bit about the way in which we think about discipleship, losing your life, not saving it, connected to the cross, following even as Christ goes to the cross. So we've got right. that going on. Now the, the stories we're getting are basically, right, the passion prediction, the healing of this, uh, this child. Um, then you've got uh, 10, 2 through 16, 17 through 22, and 23 through 31. What are... Are those, uh, how are those linked to discipleship? Do you see any? Well, yeah, I mean, do, well, do you want to jump in, Dave, or? <laughs> what, with chapter 10? Yeah, well, chapter um, 10, I think, is, is, is the, the toughest one to preach in our context. Okay. This whole issue of marriage and divorce. Uh, it's, I, whenever I go through Mark in, uh, in uh, synoptics class, I always ask, how many of you have actually heard a sermon about marriage and divorce from a Lutheran pulpit? And out of 25 students, there'll typically be one or two that raise their hand. Wow. It's, wow. it's something that we just avoid because it causes discomfort. And yet we're concerned about marriage. Well, I would think so. Right, I would think so. so but we want people to like us. So, you know, we don't have want you, to preach on it. Okay, have you preached yeah. on it? So, this um, text? No, marriage and divorce. I mean, I've preached. Yes, I have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but see, what's, what's critical in this context is marriage and divorce here is not just sort of this we're going to rant on culture or the evils of culture or something here. But do you, even Jesus places marriage within the context of service mm. and discipleship. Mm. So the question is prompted by the scribes who are challenging Jesus. The only time they challenge him here, in the, uh, or the Pharisees here, in the, in the on the way section. And the question is very specific. Can a man or husband divorce his wife for any reason? You know, and this is actually a debate in Judaism. You can read the commentaries. And Jesus says, no. <laughs> Yeah, it, that's, that's it. You can't divorce your wife for any reason, right? Uh, two are one flesh. What, what God has put together, people must not separate. Then it's with his disciples that he explains the discipleship implications with this. So in verse 10, they, they, uh, uh, in the house, again, the disciples ask him about this. So there, there's no crowds around. There's no fears. So it doesn't seem to be a public No, it's not a public teaching. teaching. It's okay. to the disciples about discipleship. Wow. So you've got to separate that off. And then here he actually uh, clarifies this, right? Whoever uh, divorces his wife and marries another makes her an adulterer, 
or commits adultery against her. Whoever divorces uh, her husband and marries another uh, uh, commits adultery, right? So the problem now is, is not only, let's put it that way, severing what God has put together, but also you're doing something harmful to someone else, yeah, yeah. right? So now uh, not only love the Lord God with all your heart and keep his commandments, but love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, uh, and, and I know in our, in our society, when we talk about love and marriage, it's always kind of what I get out of it. I'm mm -hmm. not fulfilled. I'm mm -hmm. not satisfied. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's not meeting my needs. Right. The way Jesus right. frames yeah. it is, you're in this marriage relationship. Your goal is to serve your spouse. Right. And your needs are, frankly, secondary. Right. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a different kind of love. It's, it's a, a self-sacrificial exactly. love. This is what Ephesians 5 is about, yeah. right? Love, love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave his life for her. Um, and, and I know we'll, we'll probably, most preachers will focus on you can't get divorced kind of thing. Right. But, but Jesus is actually couching it. That's, that's the conflict issue. Right. right. The discipleship issue is actually how do I serve my spouse in marriage? Yeah. And, 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 that, and that maybe my attitudes towards my spouse are contributing to problems in our marriage. You know, mm -hmm. in, in other words, it's an opportunity for, for us to reflect ourselves about our standing and in the And so kingdom. in a sense you could say that we, we might be tempted as preachers to focus on the the occasioning conflict, which is out in the public right. with the Pharisees, and and absolutely miss the right. occasion for teaching, for teaching directed to disciples right. in private in the text, right. when actually that is where Jesus goes where Jesus with goes it, with, with his it. disciples, exactly. and perhaps we right. should follow. Yeah. So when yeah. you think about marriage, think about how you serve your spouse. Yeah. That's what yeah. Jesus is talking about. Right. And then it actually follows through. So the next pericope is about causing little ones to sin. It's exactly the same problem. Mm -hmm. How are your actions affecting someone else? So it's better to, you know, tie a millstone around your neck. You know, I mean, it's, it's you know, I mean, it's... Live in know. Chicago. Yeah, well, <laughs> the next, next pericope is about, is uh, about the, the parents bringing the children for Jesus to, uh, for him to touch. And, right. Oh, and, yeah, uh, right. And the uh, disciples try to prevent them. And, yeah. and notice Mark mentions that Jesus gets uh, angry. You know, and uh, and then he says to them, uh, "You know, let the let the uh, little let the little children come to me, and do not mm -hmm. stop them, for to such as the kingdom of heaven is to it's such as the is of such to such as these. It belongs to mm -hmm. such as these." And uh, it is interesting that Mark in the divorce section also warns about women divorcing their husbands, but you don't find it. Yeah, Matthew. well, it's yeah. but uh, anyway. I mean, whatever. But uh, yeah. you know, it works both ways. But uh, but you have. Oh, right. You know, uh, again, why would why would the disciple? You know, notice where they are. They are in. If you go with uh, verse ten, they're in the house, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of interrupting. You know, you may say Jesus' privacy, which means the disciples may be acting in his interest. They think, mm -hmm. but Jesus gets ticked because, in a sense, what the disciples are doing is despising the little ones. Right. Mm -hmm. They're thinking, well, the kingdom. You know, we don't really. Have, you know, these aren't supposed to be our. We're not supposed to be worrying about these guys. Right. In other words, they've just heard Jesus call the, to you know, back in chapter nine to, uh, to serve the little ones, right? And now you know this teaching on divorce that marriage is about service, and already, duh, you know, they're missing the point. Right. But nevertheless, Jesus you know makes the point first that the kingdom of heaven belongs to these, and so he has time for them. And then the uh, you know then the verses you know, Amen. I say to you that unless anyone unless you should receive the kingdom of God as a child, uh, you will certainly not enter into it. And uh, mm -hmm. here. Uh, is where you get, I think, a lot of, well, I would say misguided preaching about, you know, you have to have the faith of a child, and they're so innocent right. and trusting, yeah. and, you know, you have to go back to that. But I think here, I mean, I, I, th I think the issue here is, uh, 
not so much the faith of a child. I wouldn't go there and preaching this. I would say, uh, who are, I mean, these guys are despising children as being unimportant, least, powerless. You know, you don't build a kingdom with kids. You, you know, right. you need adults. If it was the scribes, they would have made time for them, right? But in a sense, this is who you are in relationship to God, his son, and the kingdom, is you enter the kingdom as someone who, in a sense, doesn't really belong there. You know, unimportant, right. powerless, and yet Jesus has come to save those people. And if you don't recognize yourself as being that, then you can't enter the kingdom. You know, right. Part of faith is recognizing, I am the unclean one who he cleanses. I'm the outsider he brings in as an insider. I am the child, the right. worthless. And it's in that recognition that this becomes good news. Yes, right. in that recognition. And when yeah. we start not seeing that anymore, then we end up being the dud, dud, dud what did you call it, the dud-headed? Dunderhead. Dunderheaded Dunder disciples, right, right. right, where we're not right. getting it anymore. And, no. and there's a sense then where, uh, where this, this then is the God, this is sort of what Mark is doing throughout his entire gospel. This, right. uh, you know, the, the big shock for me as the Gentile reader is I, I get in, right? Mm -hmm. you, know, I'm, you know, I'm not a Jew, I'm not a great Jew, a Pharisee or a scribe, but I get in. And so if, you might say if a Syrophoenician woman gets in, I get in. Right. If these little children get in, then I get in. Yeah, I get in. Right. And that's kind of the right way to hear this. So it's right. not like, oh, you need the faith of a child, you know, like right. the little son so trusting in his father. Yeah. And, you know, that, right. don't go there. That's not the way to preach this. It's a matter of who our identity in relationship to Jesus' identity. Yeah. Well, that's good, and, and I, I think the, uh, the, the last pericope here is really kind of sums all this up because the last one is about the disciples now, again, completely misunderstanding the nature of the kingdom. You know, uh, we, and, and actually, this is interesting, verse 35, we want uh, that whatever we ask you uh, would do for us. So they kind of get this, right? You mm -hmm. ask Jesus for stuff, and he does it. Oh, they're, they're kind of tracking along, right? But Jesus is a little too smart. You know, let me ask what you want first before I say yes, right? And then and the disciples show that they don't actually understand the kingdom. Let one of us sit at your right uh, in, in, at your left in your glory. And Jesus says, sorry, right? You're going to suffer and die, but it's not for me to grant who is great. And then the disciples, verse 11, or 41, the, the ten here and are indignant about James and John because probably they didn't think of it first. And Jesus says, no, you're completely misunderstanding the kingdom, right? If you want to figure out how to live as my follower, look what I do. What do I do? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And you do the same thing. Right? So, so that really summarizes the whole discipleship section, love your neighbor as yourself, which he quotes later on in chapter 12. Um, but it's always connected to Jesus' own work. Mm -hmm. So if you follow me, here's what I do for you, and, and also kind of what I do to you. I make you into this because I'm faithful. Uh, and, and here's what it means to be a part of my kingdom. Um, so it, it's very consistent, actually, uh, with, with what you find in, say, Galatians or Romans, in this, in this uh, love your neighbor as yourself theme. And uh, uh, obviously, we'd like to see connections between New Testament writings, you know. But, um, but it's not sort of, discipleship is not sort of do this so that you get. Right. It's, right. Do this it's because. Do this because. Right. Exactly. This is what I've made you. So we're going to be finding ourselves uh, challenged repeatedly in terms of uh, our understandings of discipleship, right. um, primarily because of who Jesus is and what right. he does. And, it, and it's not even discipleship, you know, kind of in, in the way we often think of it, uh, you know, or, or, or maybe the modern culture thinks of it, that Christian discipleship is about not doing stuff, right? right. You, you yeah. can't you know, get a divorce, you can't right. get an abortion, you can't whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. The way Jesus framed discipleship is, is not what you can't do, it's what you do. Yeah. 
because you are of me. And uh, that might be a more helpful message to focus on. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah, so it'll shape our communities. It shapes us to live in a certain right. way, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, then, and, and would you, could you go so far as that when people then see these communities that so are shaped, that are so shaped they begin to see the well, working of Christ? That's what Origen says, but he's a yeah. heretic. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. thank you. I guess <laughs> <laughs> no, Well, but this I mean, is you, look how they love one another. This is John. Right, know, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's there. It's, it's right. there. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that this is, and that's actually where Mark goes. We, I know the Lord's Supper pericope isn't in yeah. the lectionary, but, but that's really the whole climax really of the Jerusalem section before the cross is now you have this new people of God gathered around Jesus mm -hmm. right uh, this blood of the covenant is poured out for them and they're made into a new people that that's different you know yeah. it's 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 a it's an eschatological community right here gathered around that word and sacrament and and God is doing amazing things through this group that isn't happening elsewhere like people being fed like people being cared for and healed and and, and so we live out our lives as his eschatological community, even now. But it's not necessarily an easy thing. Oh, it's, it's terribly hard because we give up everything we have for the sake of somebody else. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, it's not good. It's hard. No, I mean, good. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a yeah. good, good yeah. proclamation. Yeah. So, so we've, we've looked at the on the way section. Any, there's only a few readings. Yeah, Jerusalem only gets a couple uh, snippets here. Um, you know, chapter 13 is tough. Um, we're kind of at the end yeah, of the church year at this We're at the point. end of the church yeah. year. I mean, I, I guess, if, I mean, in chapter 12 materials, there's two from chapter 12. They're, they're conflict. Uh, they're, you know, chapter 12 is all about conflict and Jesus uh, um, showing that the old way of doing things is, is gone, mm -hmm. right? So the temple is gone. Uh, the Pharisees are gone. The, all the main opposition characters are dismissed one by one through chapter 12. And you end up, again, with this woman who puts all her existence into the treasury. So you have people you would expect, you know, from that society to be in, not part of the kingdom, but the one you least expect doing everything right. She puts in two lepta, you know, a denarius for Pete's sake, and, and, uh, or not even a denarius, and uh, uh, she's getting it exactly right. Um, so this contrast again, and I don't know if you want to talk about chapter 13, but it's, it's not, well, <laughs> It's Read just, Jeff Gibbs' book on piracy right. in the kingdom, and, and it'll solve it's all not, the problems. It's not predicting yeah. the. Uh, it's not the about end the second coming. It's not it's the signs of the end, end times. Time. It's, it's uh, you see chapter thirteen sort of proleptically fulfilled in fifteen at Jesus' death with the rending of the uh, curtain in the temple, right. which I don't read as uh, there's direct access to God, you know, which is one traditional way of you know going to Hebrews. But actually, this is an act of judgment upon the temple. Right. The temple. See, when Jesus leaves the temple at the end of chapter twelve. The temple ain't the place anymore. Right. It's not the place where, you know, the new community is this community that's going to be formed around the, the new Passover, the Lord's Supper. It's where Jesus and his disciples are. That's where God is active. And mm -hmm. so he's not active in the temple anymore. And the temple is going to be judged. And that's really what chapter 13 is about. Right. It's well, it's about, the same as chapter 12. 12 right. Chapter 12 is judgment. Chapter 13 is judgment. Well, now right. that fits in with right. the end of the church in, and the judgment, the coming in judgment. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so but, you've got a judgment but it's, theme, but it's, it's kind a of, different it's, event. It's, it's, it's different event. It's almost like we go event. with Jesus right. as the authority. You know, this is kind of how I'd preach 13 if I, I'd probably do another one of the, the epistle instead. But... Uh, it would be Jesus, what Je Jesus' word is reliable. What he says is going to happen. He tells the disciples, go in to the city. You'll, opposite, you'll find the, the donkey for Palm Sunday. It happens. Go in. You'll find everything set up for the Lord's Supper. It happens. I'm going to die. It happens. I'm going to rise again. It happens. The temple's going to be destroyed, and it happens. Yeah. And so 70 A.D., in a sense, we could say, see, yeah. 
what Jesus said is reliable, it happened. And, right. and, and it shows again that the temple ain't the place anymore. The dispensationalists are off. This is where you want to address dispensationalists. You say, your plan, you think the state of Israel is, is God in action. This is God acting. The temple's got to be rebuilt for God to act. No, God doesn't act there anymore. He acts where Jesus is and where Jesus' disciples are gathered. You know, gathered around the Lord's Supper. This is where God is now carrying out His, uh, mm -hmm. His work on behalf of His creation, on behalf of His people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know. So yeah, there's not a lot of gospel in uh, in in the end of the church here. It's all right. just condemnation. You know. So, but but see, this is the point, I guess. If you want to bring in some good news here, the condemnation is for those who are outside the kingdom. Mm -hmm. See, so you're you're kind of done at this point. You know, I mean, yeah. And those who are inside, all of the things they might have held on to before are right. being have torn away and destroyed. Off. Exactly. But they have a promise for the crucified one, right. Keep and following. they wait. Yeah. yeah. And the for the judgment is upon those who've rejected Jesus' authority. Right. You, he's come in to on Palm Sunday, a very public political act. He finds does not find true worship in the temple. He doesn't. The religious leaders reject his authority, and so those who reject Jesus' authority are judged. You know, and that's fulfilled when the temple is destroyed in 70 A.D. is, which is what chapter 13 is really about. Right. Okay. Well, good. Well, thank you very much. Uh, sounds like a fun uh, year coming up, preaching through. Uh, Mark and these particular sections. I hope that uh, our sharing with one another has possibly been something that will strengthen you in your preaching as you share the word with God's people. Thank you. Today's roundtable recommends the following additional resources for studying the Gospel of Mark. R.T. France's commentary in the New International Series on the Greek Testament, Baz von Ursel's Reader Response Commentary on Mark, and James Veltz's essay, Preaching Mark, in Concordia Pulpit Resources. Also, the print edition of Concordia Journal's Homiletical Helps will focus on the Mark readings for liturgical year B. Thanks again for joining us on Concordia Journal Currents.